0: Good morning. My name is Angela Reese. I'm the online pastor here at Providence Church, and I'm honored to be with you today as we continue our series, A Better Story. Well, we are picking up right where we left off last week in John chapter 6. And to quickly recap, uh, Jesus miraculously fed the 5,000, which was actually 20,000-ish if you count women and children. And he fed them all with just five loaves of bread and two fish with with 12 baskets left over. Okay, one for each disciple. And after he did this, the people got very excited. And Jesus sensed that they were going to try to take him by force and make him their earthly king. A king that could make their wine and put food in their bellies and heal them when they were sick. Okay, things that they believed led to their peace and happiness. But Jesus knew that there was a better plan, and there was indeed a throne waiting for him, but it was on the road with a cross ahead of it that ultimately led to a better story for them that they couldn't see or understand yet, okay? And that's where we pick up in John chapter 6 today. Um, let's, Let's take a look. It says, When evening came, his disciples went down to the lake where they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. Okay, Jesus didn't want the disciples to get caught up in the politically charged frenzy that was happening all around them. So he made them get into a boat and sail across the lake to the other side. Okay, And by now it was dark and Jesus had not yet joined them. Okay, Scripture tells us that that problems seemed to be pressing in on Jesus. Okay, the religious leaders were after him. King Herod was suspicious of him. Political fanatics were trying to make him a nationalistic messiah. And Jesus needed to get away from it all and spend time with God. So he went up by himself by a mountainside to pray. And while he was there, the disciples were on a lake, on the lake that they just kind of sailed out on. And said, a strong wind was blowing and the waters grew rough, okay? Now, we have the benefit of reading this story in three of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and John. And Matthew describes this scene a bit more intensely than John. He tells us that their boat was buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it, right? Which really gives us a fuller picture of what they experienced. The waters didn't just get a little bit rough. Right. buffeted means to be struck repeatedly and violently the water's raged and inflicted harm over a long period of time right and ended up knocking them off course and although they really only had to travel a short distance okay the storm was so violent despite all of their efforts that they had rowed and strained at their oars for almost 9 hours on this little lake, right, getting nowhere, and we're totally exhausted. Now, most of us don't know what it's like to be caught off guard in a storm in the middle of the sea, but we all have experienced similar situations. So four score and seven years ago, way back in the simpler times of 2019, I began my journey to become a pastor. Now, my therapist recently asked me to pinpoint a time in my life when I felt like my centered self, strong, capable, safe, loved, living into my purpose. And that's the time I pinpointed for her, okay, when I stepped into my calling to be a pastor, which kicked off with this great day-long retreat. And I remember walking into the church where that retreat was being held with the energy of Elle Woods, right, on her first day at Harvard. You know what I'm talking about? Confident, excited, ready, which felt like really good because I stepped through a lot of fear. And I opened my hands to God and surrendered a lot of my self-doubt to step into my calling. And it it was a time in my life that it felt like God was blessing me with overflow, you know, with, with abundant courage and abundant peace and abundant joy in so many areas of my life. And then 2020. And I know so many of our stories could end with that tagline, right? And then 2020, right? Except, They didn't, did they? Because 2021, right? The storm kept raging. And then 2022. I mean, most of us don't know what it's like, right? To be caught in that storm in the middle of the sea. But we've all experienced setbacks and opposition personal to us that hasn't seemed to let up over the last few years. We've all experienced this collective hardship, right? But then there's been all this personal hardship layered on top of it. And much like the disciples in this story, I feel like I'm being buffeted by the waves of life. I mean, I feel like I am being struck repeatedly by grief and uncertainty and friendships and health problems. And then suddenly the storm shifts and I'm I'm getting like pummeled from the other side with a wave that looks like a divided family and the lies of of you don't belong, right, they are whipping through my ears with every howl of the wind, and I feel like I am being knocked off course, which we all know, right, we should expect as followers of Jesus because the world is a stormy place, but somehow all of this trouble has still had the power to catch us all by surprise. And there have been so many times over the last few years where I have looked at situations in my life and thought, I don't see a way out of that. Maybe you've had similar experiences where you've thought to yourself, like, I've used all of my strength. I've thought through every scenario, from every angle, used every resource. I've set boundaries. I've called in my friends. We've been rowing for hours. Our collective expertise has failed. It is dark. It is stormy, my soul is weary, and there is nothing else that I can do. I mean that is the picture we are looking at here in the Gospel of John. And I just want to tell you it is it is my least favorite telling of this story, okay? And my and my favorite. Yes, it is both. You know, I feel like it is the bleakest, but it also points 100% with no distractions to our only hope for a better story. Jesus, it is Jesus who is our only hope and who always shows up. You know, verse 19 says, when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were frightened. And I love this. I know I shouldn't, but I think about those guys sitting in the dark in the middle of the storm, you know, wet, completely exhausted at three in the morning, completely wigging out as they watch what they think is a ghost, right? Walking toward them on the water. I mean, it just makes me chuckle, but I know that I would have been doing the same thing, right, and climbing over people as much as, as, to get as much distance as I could, right? I'd probably be stepping on their heads because I'm afraid of the dark. You know, I have always been afraid of the dark and my husband occasionally enjoys hiding in the dark and scaring me when I least expect it. You know, he doesn't do it a lot, but he's done it enough that the other night we were locking all the doors, getting ready to like settle in for the night and go to bed. And I went to check our back door. And as I came back to the house, all the lights were off and everything was quiet, which is rare in my house. So I got out my phone and I turned on my flashlight. And I started tiptoeing you know, through the house, looking for him around every corner, feeling the walls because sometimes he'll just stand there, like super still and creepy like, you know, and just wait. And I made it all the way up the stairs into our bedroom, which is where he was, right? And he looked at me and he said, your flashlight's on. <laughs> which is the phrase I hear most from him. I know most spouses hear, I love you and I miss you. And he does say those things, but mostly he's like, your flashlight's on, because it is always on, right? (laughs) But my husband wasn't lurking anywhere that night. But there is something about expecting the worst in our darkest moments, isn't there? I mean, in the dark, our faith seems to waver. You know, our hope can waver, and our fear threatens us. It's important to know that Jesus didn't abandon the disciples in the storm. And Jesus doesn't abandon us, right? And his intention was not to scare them. Jesus could see them the whole time from where he was up on the mountainside. He knew exactly where they were. He saw their struggles and was praying for them. But I think this might be the hardest part of the whole story, the waiting. I mean, if Jesus could see them struggling for nine hours on the sea, why did he not go to them in their distress? It makes us wonder, doesn't it? Like, Does he really see me? Does he really care? Why is he letting me flounder in this storm? But just like Jacob said last week, Jesus does care about your very real needs. I believe that. I also believe trusting God's timing for the storm to dissipate when we don't understand what's happening is the hardest work of hope. It is the hardest work for the person who feels numb and desperately waiting to wake up and feel something, feel something for the child who is waiting for their parents to stop fighting, for the teen who is waiting for acceptance, for the elderly person in the nursing home who is alone and doesn't even know what they are waiting for, right? for anybody waiting for healing. Waiting is one of the hardest things we are called to do. But I know that we can remain hopeful in the face of our waiting and uncertainty because there is purpose in the waiting. In the Bible, you know, waiting is like so closely linked to faith that sometimes the two words are used interchangeably. And what God does in us while we wait is as important as what we're waiting for. Well, Paul tells us that while we are waiting for God to set everything right and bring about everything we hope for, we do suffer in this world. We do we have, and we will again, but our suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope, right? And so we, we glory in our sufferings because we know that it leads to that hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. God is growing us and producing these qualities in us as we wait, leading us to a better story, even if we can't see it. And that hope is derived. right? It comes from a God who can truly do anything. We just saw he walked on water. Our work is to surrender ourselves into his hands with utter vulnerability, obedience, and faithfulness. And that, I think, is the point that I'm gleaning from this whole text today to be obedient to where Jesus is leading us and know that we don't have to fear, but we can have faith in him in the midst of every circumstance, right? And through it all, Jesus reminds us not to be afraid. It's the most repeated command in scripture. As As he walked toward them on the lake, you know, he said to them, it is I, don't be afraid, Okay. And when jesus said it is i he was revealing to them who he is why they didn't have to be afraid you know it is i was a direct reference to the name of god in the old testament yahweh meaning he who makes that which has been made i mean jesus was making a declaration that he is the creator and commander of the very waves he was walking on and because of that the disciples recognized him and worshiped him as such, right? Because of what he was able to do and how he was able to just command the water. Last weekend, our our church had our first women's retreat in three years, and it was all kinds of wonderful. If you weren't able to attend, I would love for you to consider joining us next year. Um, Valerie Craig, who leads our women's Bible study, shared with us at the retreat that when we say the name Yahweh, Right? We say it with every single breath we breathe. Okay? If you inhaled right now, you would hear the name Yah in your breath, which is a Hebrew word meaning Lord. And on your exhale, way, right? The Hebrew word meaning Jehovah or the existing one, Yahweh. Right? Our very breath is our reminder that God is always present with us close to the brokenhearted through every storm, calming our fear, helping us to live and pray and be people who believe. Now, one more verse, and this one is is really important, is is John uh, 6, 21. Okay, and this is what it says. Then they were willing to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. The disciples, okay, were willing to take him into the boat and receive them unto themselves. Okay, receive them unto themselves. In Mark, there is another detail that I want us to look at, though. It says, then he climbed into the boat with them, okay, and the wind died down. He climbed in and the wind died down. They were completely amazed. Um, They had not understood about the loaves, right, and their hearts were hardened, Do you remember how the story ended when Jesus fed the 5,000? It ended in overflow. There were 12 baskets of food left over, one for each disciple, possibly baskets that were like in the boat with them the whole time they were straining on the sea, a reminder of the power of Jesus. And they had just, like, all they had to do was look down at their feet, right? Look down at their feet, and they might have even been, been snacking on that bread and fish, like nine hours of rowing against the wind and the waves. They would have gotten so hungry, so maybe without even realizing it, they were eating the very thing God provided to sustain them during the storm. But we read that their hearts were hardened. And I know this, like I know this feeling. I know this reality because I've been there. Like, they just witnessed this amazing miracle where Jesus fed the multitudes. But before the sun rose the next day, right? they didn't even make it through the night. Before the sun rose on the next day, they were defeated right, and maybe bitter, maybe angry and distracted by the very real storm swirling around them because storms are real. My storms are real, and your storms are real. But I want to remind you of this. So is Jesus. Right? So is Jesus. The waves and Jesus are both real, both a reality. And if they had taken a moment to like really reflect on the loaves and fish, right, their hearts might have been encouraged as they remembered that the storm they were in wasn't too big for Jesus, okay? He did, after all, calm the wind and the waves for them once before while they were in a boat, okay? So it's a lesson for us here. A better story doesn't mean that other stories aren't real. They are real and they are right in front of us. But we have to cling in every moment of every day to the truth that there is a better lead story for us through Jesus. So if you are feeling lost in a storm today and waiting desperately for the presence of God to show up, I just want to invite you to take a a deep breath in and out, to feel God's presence in your very breath and believe that he is with you, right? Using every storm to grow you in faith and hope and perseverance and inviting you into a deeper relationship of trust with Jesus because he is indeed not just divine and able to perform miracles, but he is the Messiah that has come to save us, not just from our storms, but from our sins by conquering death on a cross and raising to new life so we can have a better story as we raise to new life in him.